Jesus' statement is establishing a group with authority and ability to carry out a task. And in the process of doing that, they will be acting as his agent. They will be working in cooperation with him and using his resources. This is Nita Erlene, and you are listening to the TRC Ministries podcast. The vision of TRC Ministries is to see individuals fulfill their calling under the authority of the Church, using the resources of the Kingdom of God. Today we are starting a series called Commissional Church. The book of Matthew ends with Jesus' words that have come to be called the Great Commission. More than just a directive to the first disciples 2,000 years ago, this is meant for us as well. Yet in a much deeper and exciting way than just a vague understanding that we should probably be out doing evangelizing somewhere. Here is Tori Bjorkland, President of TRC Ministries, teaching at Caravan Fellowship in Part 1 of Co-Missional Church. Matthew 28, I think starting at verse 18, we have the Great Commission is what we refer to this as generally. And... Um, So Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, thesis here is that the Great Commission is a succinct statement about the purpose and function of the church. So this is Christ establishing the mission for the church and the church shares his mission. So it's not just the church's mission, it's also the mission of Jesus. So this is the first statement. If you look at the thesis of the series, that's the first statement of that thesis. And I'm not going to be able to cover that in one week. I say this is a succinct statement. In order to cover the statement, I need to unpack it and in order to support my assertion. I also need to talk about what I mean by purpose, what I mean by function, what I mean by mission. I'm using these words, and what do they mean? How, what am I referring to? And these topics, when you start talking about purpose, function, and mission, naturally lead to vision. And so we'll have some conversation about, some discussion about vision. So, first of all, something was brought to my attention that I use words like succinct that some people aren't quite sure what they mean. So, if I use a word and you're not sure what either my usage of it is, how do, how do I mean it? Or if you're just not familiar with the word and you want a general definition, just go ahead and raise your hand and ask the question, what is that word? And um, Yes. Which word? Succinct. Oh, succinct. Okay. So, that's... Uh, concise, does that help? That's a concise statement. Um, So being succinct is being both concise and precise. Being very brief as opposed to wordy and accurate. So here's my main point. Since I can't cover the the entire thesis in one Sunday, I want to cover the following points. Number one, this is a commission. We refer to it as the Great Commission, but the, the word commission doesn't exist here. Um, But it is a commission. The second thing that I want to point out is that we are commissioned. And that is not also clear from the text. 
there entirely. So I want to support those two main points. So let's talk about a commission, first of all. Before we do that, let me pray. God, I know that you desire for us to participate in what you are doing on this earth, what you want to do on this earth, and I pray that your will will be done on earth just as it's being done in heaven. I also know that I am fallible, and when I make mistakes, that's sort of par for the course. And so I pray that your spirit will be at work here to clarify, to reveal things that are in error, and that in the end, that your spirit will be the one to lead us and to guide us into truth in regards to this topic. And uh, I just ask it in Jesus' name. Okay, my definition, well, if you look it up in a, in a dictionary, which I did, the definition for commission, there's a lot of them, you know, a job or task given to an individual or group, especially in order to produce a particular product or piece of work. They commissioned artists, for example, to produce a piece of work. A group with a task, a group of people authorized or directed to carry out a duty or task. An appointment, they commission officers, they appoint them, they commission secretaries, secretaries of state and things like that. Authority to act as an agent is another definition. The authority granted to an individual or organization to act as an agent for another is a commission. Authority or instruction, the authority to do something or an instruction to do it. So these are the, these are the various five, actually, five different listed definitions that I found in the dictionary, in one dictionary. So let me tell you, here's the way that I, I want to look at it. The reason this is a commission is because this statement establishes a group with the authority and ability to carry out a task working as an agent of and in cooperation with and using the resources of the commissioner. Now, that's a big mouthful. If you have the notes, I think I have that on the notes. I tried to make sure I got my definitions in the notes. There's lots of pieces to that, and I'm not going to unpack that statement as much as Jesus' statement, but this, to me, is really a combination of, the, you can see how that kind of comes together. If you take all five uses of the word commission, it kind of involves all of them. The whole idea of a commission is included in what I'm asserting here, is that Jesus' statement is establishing a group with authority and ability to carry out a task. And in the process of doing that, they will be acting as his agent. They will be working in cooperation with him and using his resources. So that's what I mean by this is a commission. I want to just give you uh, three essential ingredients of a commission, in my view. The first is that there's authority. The person who is doing the commissioning has to have the authority to commission you to do something. So if I were going to commission you to pave the road over here, I might not have the authority to do that, and we might get in trouble. You might get in trouble. Uh, if I said, go pave the road over here, and you started doing it, and said, well, Tori told me to do that, they'd say, well, what authority does he have to tell you to do that? And you might be in trouble for doing something you shouldn't be doing. So commission requires authority. The second thing I want to point out as, a, I think, an essential ingredient to a commission is a shared mission. You want something to be accomplished. And in cases of commissioning an artist, for example, it's often done because 
the people that have the authority don't necessarily have the ability. So they get somebody with the ability and they share a task, a desire. They have a shared mission to accomplish this thing. Or sometimes people that are commissioning have the ability. They might be busy doing other things. Or there might be any number of things. As a parent, oftentimes you commission your children to do something you're perfectly capable of. You even have the time to do it. But it's to their benefit that they learn how to do these things. So you commission them to bake the bread or whatever it is that you've asked them to do. And you have a shared outcome now. And this is, an, I think, a, an essential ingredient to a commission. And finally, this is, in my opinion, to be an effective commission. It's not necessarily in the definition of a commission, but to be an effective commission. You really need to commission somebody who has the ability to carry out what they're being commissioned to do. And so these are three main ingredients, and I want to go through them and in reference to this commission, because we might, well, I've heard a lot of teaching on the Great Commission, but I don't remember hearing much talked about the ability that are provided and, and that sort of thing, about the shared mission. What is the outcome that Jesus is looking for here? And is he clear about this commission? And then starts this commission with saying, all authority is given to me. And oftentimes on the quotes of the Great Commission, that's not included. And I think it's an essential ingredient and important for us to discuss. So Jesus starts out with that, Matthew 28, 18, all authority. By the way, I think King James uses the word power here. You know, I'm not, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I have to depend on the Greek scholars that have written books about these sorts of things. And I look up words and I try to find out what's the word. So there's an interesting thing here that I, I want to point out and we'll get, get to that comparison later, but I just want to mention it right away. If you remember, shortly after Jesus commissioned the disciples, he gave them an instruction to go and wait in Jerusalem. Do you remember that? In Acts chapter 1 is an example of that. It's also in the end of Luke. But Acts chapter 1, he said, go and wait in Jerusalem until something happens. What, what was it that he said that wait for? Till you, you receive power. That word is a different word than this one. So I looked it up, and you know I probably will butcher the pronunciation as badly as Dave did reading the uh, letter from Kwame, but exosia is the way I say that. And this, this word, Strong says, uh, force, capacity, competency, freedom, or mastery, Delegated influence, and it's often translated authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, right. So it has this idea of uh, the freedom to do something and not just the ability to do it. It has the idea of having the authority and the jurisdiction to be able to do that. And so, so some translations translate this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And so this to me... You can't commission without authority to commission. What is it that Jesus was trying to use us to accomplish? And why is this authority given to him? Now we find that, and we're not going to talk about the whys and all of that. I'm just talking about this statement and that it is a commission. But in later time, we're going to talk about what this authority actually is and, and how it is brought to bear in what we're doing. Okay. The aspect of having a shared mission, I mentioned that three ingredients is authority and a shared mission. I just want to talk about that for a minute. Here's the words where Jesus said, go and make disciples 
and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, is the shared aspect of the mission. First of all, at the end, he's saying, I'm with you, so I'm going to do this along with you. But when you commission somebody, you don't have to actually go with them. And it can still be a shared mission, right? You can send somebody on your behalf, but you're both looking for the same thing. And so when Jesus said, all authority is being given unto me in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in whose name? Okay, well, it involved him, right? Okay, also teaching them to observe what? Do you remember what he said? All that I've commanded. So whose disciples are we talking about? Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples like you are, right? And so sometimes we talk about discipleship as, you know, Paul had a disciple, his name was Timothy. By the way, who discipled Paul? Barnabas and also Jesus. Paul talks about how he received his instruction from Jesus and that he spent a period of time being instructed by Jesus. So that's an interesting thing there. But anyway, but also Paul took the lead for quite some time in, in the early part of Paul's ministry. Although Paul was, at that time, a disciple of Barnabas, and Timothy was a disciple of Paul, what this commission is talking about is go and make disciples of me. And the reason that's clear is because he says, teach them to do all that I've commanded you and immerse them in the Trinitarian existence and I will be involved in it alongside of you. Okay? So, it's a shared mission. It's not our mission. It's a mission that Jesus is also very actively involved in. And this becomes very important when we start talking about what the church is doing. Okay. The third ingredient I mentioned is the ability to succeed. It is possible for someone to commission another who is unable to fulfill the mission. And so if you are um, an intelligent and wise commissioner, it's applied and assumed that the mission, by the way, is not impossible. I could get a kick out of the TV show and then became movies, Mission Impossible. If it's impossible, nobody would actually attempt it. They're just saying it's a difficult thing, but it's not impossible. And so if the mission were impossible, you would be foolish to commission somebody to do it. So it's implied that the commissioner fully intends the commissioned to succeed. And a wise commissioner, in order for that to be accomplished, will not only authorize, but will also empower the commissioned through, and in the business world, one of the first things they do when we start talking about implementing software, for example, is they say, okay, what kind of training do we need? What kind of resources do we need to have? Should we bring in experts to teach certain principles in order to understand how the software works and those kinds of things? And so when you have a commission to do something, uh, sometimes you need to get some training on it. We need to check and make sure that there are available resources, make sure that there's budget available for it if you've commissioned somebody to do a work and anything that else that would be required to be successful. And here, to me, Jesus is making an importance when he says, Lo, I am with you always. When he says, Lo, I am with you always, one of the things that he is doing is bringing back to their remembrance things that he had told them before. Do you remember, for example, when he said in John? Well, let's turn there. John 14. Um, let's read this, verse 19 through 31. Somebody offer to read that. 
Now he's speaking before the before this Matthew twenty eight passage here. This in John. This is before the re the uh, crucifixion. In fact, go ahead. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Okay, so this is a fairly long discourse, and we're actually going to go through that in more detail at another time. But let me ask you a quick question here. Who will be with the disciples when he was talking to them there? He said, this will happen. And who will be in the disciples in that passage? Jesus says he will be in them. When the Spirit comes, he will abide with them, and he will be in them, and the Father will be in Jesus. It's, it's very difficult. I mean, we because of our theological heritage of considering modalism to be a, her, a heresy, for example, and things like that, people you know want to get really, really specific about, you know, well, Jesus is here, the Holy Spirit is here, He's on the right hand of the Father, and you look at some of these verses, and you can see, yeah, that, that, that works out. But then you start looking at some of these things, and you see in one passage, all three being referenced, or you put a few passages together, and you find out that, you know, it's really difficult to take and separate out these pieces and parts and say, here's where Jesus is, here's where the Holy Spirit is, here's where the Heavenly Father is, etc. And you, you start finding that there are, all very involved and very much together at all times. And you can't just distill these persons out of each other. You can't do it. And so this becomes an important thing when we start trying to, you know, split gnats. Um, we, we, we end up arguing over some of these things and you realize that this is futile. You can find a scripture that, that says it this way, but you can find another one that says it another way, and I think that we would best be served to realize that the Godhead has a shared mission, and we are being commissioned to participate with the entire Trinitarian existence. And this is the reason why Jesus brings up the Trinity 
in the commission. Okay, that was just for free. That wasn't in my notes. Luke chapter 24, Jesus said to them, this is in another place, by the way, where did this Matthew 28 occur? Does anybody know? There are, there are certain assumptions that, and so forth that just really, it isn't all that clear exactly how all of this happened in terms of, of what the sequence was and which day. But we know for a fact that for 40 days, Jesus came and went amongst the disciples and he appeared to people and the sum total of them was something like 500 people, you know? And so this passage in Luke 24 is a different time, most likely, and in a different place. And Jesus told them, you are to stay in the city in verse 44 through 49. In there, he says, you're to stay in the city, which is Jerusalem. They just left, walked out a little ways from Jerusalem. By the way, I just came across a book called God's Favorite Place on Earth. And it's an interesting contrast between Bethany and Jerusalem. Bethany was just outside of Jerusalem. And it turns out that this was actually, they were in Bethany. They, they went as far as Bethany and then they went up this mountain. But anyway, you stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And this is that word power, which is also used in Acts chapter 1. I think it's uh, verse 8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this word, the Greek word, Dunamis is where we get the word dynamite. And every time I see this, I think of that guy JJ on the Good Times TV show from the 70s because he'd go, Dynamite! And that's, uh, that's where we get that. So this is a force oftentimes re inferring a miraculous power. Sorry, you guys had to see that. I was, you know, this is power, strength. Even violence, sometimes it's, it's, it's interpreted or translated violence, mighty. So anyway, this is different than authority, and this is what we get. Okay, All authority has been given to Jesus, but they stayed in the city until they were given power. And so here's what I want to point out. Jesus has provided everything, and it's implied in this statement, but it's stated in several other places, John 14, uh, Luke, where we just read Luke 24, Acts chapter 1, that several things will happen to the disciples that will give them the ability to carry out this commission. He's provided all the necessary resources in himself. If you go into Colossians chapter 1, for example, it talks about how everything is contained in Jesus Christ in order that he might have the preeminence of everything. He has provided all necessary resources in himself. However, not only has he provided and asked the Father to provide himself, but he has pledged to provide everything else simply on the basis of the request from those who love him and who are gathered in his name, for example. So what we have here is Jesus saying that when people are operating under his authority, in other words, what those who he has commissioned are operating under his authority, he's there with them, and if they need something else by way of resource, they just should ask. They should ask, and he has pledged to provide anything else that may be needed simply on the basis of the request. Of course, he also provided the necessary training to his original disciples, so he trained them for three years or so, Right, and, and by the way, remember some of the training? He sent them out. They did certain things, and they came back and reported to him. And, you know, and he did this a couple of times that's recorded. There were a lot of things that we find out. You know, John said a lot of things happened that we didn't write down here. So we don't know 
you know, how many other things he did that might have helped train them. But also, not only did he train his disciples, but what does he say to his disciples to do in this commission? What is the essence of what they're supposed to themselves participate in, be involved in? To give the same training that they got, right? To teach teach these other disciples everything I taught you to do. But by the way, I, want, I just want to mention this. If Adele is just getting ready to get married, and I say, Adele, you know, good on you, and, uh, you know, have several children, have several grandchildren for me, and them to play hockey, or teach them to ride a bike. Now, do you think that Adele and her future husband would start sweating when they think, you know what, our child is two years old, I wonder if Tori is angry with us because we haven't two-year-old that they have to play hockey. Listen, Tori's grandson or granddaughter, you must play hockey. That's not even the remotely what I would have had in mind. What I would have had in mind is teach them how to play hockey, not tell them that they ought to do this. And I think that this is entirely what Jesus had in mind. Your experience and my presence and the things that you remember that the Holy Spirit, as I told you a while back, will bring to your remembrance and use that to teach others how to do what I taught you how to do. Of course, so not only did he provide the training of his disciples, but he, in the commission itself, provided the training to those whom they would proselytize, if you will. Okay, the last point I want to make is we are commissioned. You know, there was actually time in my life where I wondered just how broad, I mean, I think it's a serious question, how broad is the scope of this commission? Was it to the original 11? Was it to the original apostles? Which, by the way, included others than just the 11 that were at this commissioning, by the way. We don't know how many people were there at this Matthew 28. Who were the commissioned? Matthew makes it clear that the 11 were there, that the 12 original disciples that Jesus named, minus Judas Iscariot. So when this dialogue occurred, we learn in Luke that it's common to refer to the 11. Right? Remember the, the disciples that were headed to the road, on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus appeared to them, and they left their, where they were, and they came back to Jerusalem to where the 11, this is in Luke 24, 13, to the 11 and those who are with them. So it's common to uh, refer to the 11, but it, it also does not include or exclude, I mean, others as well. And quite possibly there was the 11 and those who were with them that went to the mountain in Galilee. And apparently this passage isn't the last words of Jesus before his ascension. And so we have several times where this commissioning could have occurred over a 40-day period to many people. So it's very difficult to say, well, this is the only scope. To me, there's something that's really implied here that I think makes a strong argument that this commission, this commissioning includes us and we should take it seriously. And here's what I would say. My main argument for the assertion that we are commissioned is that Jesus instructed those who were present to teach the future disciples what? To do everything he commanded. Is this something he commanded? And are we future disciples of Jesus? And so should we not be being taught to do this? It's one of his commands. And so to me, 
it just includes everybody that becomes a disciple of Jesus has this as something that they should be learning how to do, that they should be involved in. We are definitely future disciples, and it is certainly one of the things he commanded. So it follows that Jesus had intended that we would follow the command he gave in this commission. This, therefore, includes us in those who were commissioned. Now, John 17, Jesus places us in, as you remember the high priestly prayer, he places us in that prayer. Did you find yourself in that prayer, by the way? Jesus said, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I believe we're part of that high priestly prayer. And we, the future disciples, are also operating under the authority and with the power of Jesus that the world may believe. And so, my conclusion is, this is a commission. It has all the essential ingredients of a commission, and it is to us. And the question then stands before us, and this is what I want to cover in the future, is what, what do we do with this? If, if this is a commission, and we have been commissioned, how do we get about it? And what does it mean? What are those implications? Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And for more information on TRC Ministries or to contact us, go to www.regenerationcenter.org.